Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast dedicated to stories of discipleship and putting scripture to use in our daily lives. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I'm the Communications Director for the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, comprised of just fewer than 1,000 churches throughout Kansas and Nebraska. I'm also a certified lay minister in the United Methodist Church, so what you hear on this show truly comes to you in layman's terms. I have more than 25 years experience teaching the Bible to everyone from teenagers to 90-somethings, and I served as a journalist for 20 years prior to entering ministry. So I'm excited to share with you stories of disciples in action and to explore with you what the Bible has to teach us in the 21st century. Some episodes focus on a person or church doing great things to serve as the hands and feet of Christ. Some episodes feature interviews with experts who can help us along our faith journey. Still others include short reflections on scripture. Thank you for joining me. If you search on Google for the word love, you will get about 12.8 billion results with a B. If you search Google for the word enemies, you get about 580 million results. Well, well, that's less than half of the results for love. So I guess we should take some solace and even though there's so many, it's still less than half than the search term for love. Now, if you type in examples of loving your enemies, well, unfortunately the results fall way off to only about 9 million results. Now that's still a lot, but it's not anywhere close to the other two search terms. The discrepancies in those search terms point out something that I think we all recognize. Loving our enemies is hard. We know this. And most of the relatively few examples we can draw upon come from many years ago. For example, the Civil War. There are numerous examples in the Civil War of people who loved each other fighting on opposite sides. I mean, it was known as the War of Brother vs. Brother, correct? Well, one example is the family of Kentucky Senator John Crittenden. He pushed for a compromise on slavery, but while he was working on that, trying to avoid war, his sons, George and Thomas, went to war on opposing sides. And then there's the story of Mary Todd Lincoln. That's right, President Abraham Lincoln's wife. She had six relatives who fought for the Confederacy. Pretty amazing, huh? And here's an example from a little more recent time, although it's still from quite a ways back, from World War II. It's a great story of a Luftwaffe pilot, Franz Stiegler. He was piloting a German fighter when he saw a crippled American bomber flying over Germany. That bomber was just trying to make it out of enemy airspace and back to England. Now, Stiegler didn't know it, but that bomber only had one 21-year-old pilot still alive in the plane. The rest of the crew had all been killed. What Stiegler did notice was that the fuselage was riddled with bullet holes. There was smoke coming from one of the engines, and it was having a hard time staying level. Well, Stiegler recognized that the plane was not going to be any further threat. But instead of shooting it down, he actually escorted that plane, that American bomber, out to sea and to safety on its way back toward England. 
He even pulled alongside of it and saluted the American pilot before departing him. Now those two men who fought on opposite sides of World War II apparently met some years later, and Stiegler shared that he thought to shoot down that plane in that condition at that moment, well, it would not have been warfare to him. It would have been murder. He chose to love his enemy and escorted him to safety. Such examples of valor are unfortunately absent these days, or at least largely absent. We are knee-deep in conflict, and I have to tell you that I can only conclude that, well, we must like it. We don't seem to do anything to change it. We certainly aren't stopping it. We keep electing the same people. We get into the same squabbles. We tend to see the sides we agree with as right and anyone else as being wrong. I mean, think about these contrasting ideologies. Democrat versus Republican. Liberals versus conservatives. Rural versus urban or two things that we have come to know quite well in the past two years, maskers versus anti-maskers, vaxxers versus anti-vaxxers. And that list doesn't even get into the even more contentious topics of our day. Climate change, gun rights, or in the United Methodist denomination, the debate over LGBTQIA plus ordination and inclusion. Now, you might review that list that I just shared and think of some of your own, and you might be thinking, wait a minute, those folks aren't exactly my enemies. I don't really hate them. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to be inviting them to dinner anytime soon, but I don't hate them. But then, then something happens. There's a school shooting. There's a Supreme Court nomination. A surge in the pandemic or an election involving polarizing figures with last names like Clinton or Trump. Passions rise and our internal filters fail. My point is we may not start off viewing people as enemies. We can get caught up in things so much that at times we simply can't help ourselves. Those people that we don't necessarily hate become, well, those people. We may find those folks to be unlikable, but Jesus teaches us that they most certainly are lovable. So let's see what Jesus has to say by reading Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 38. Say to you who are willing to hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other one as well. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks and don't demand your things back from those who take them. Treat people in the same way that you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, why should you be commended? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, why should you be commended? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, why should you be commended? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be paid in full. Instead, love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return. If you do, you will have a great reward. You will be acting the way children of the Most High act, for he is kind 
to ungrateful and wicked people. Be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Don't judge and you won't be judged. Don't condemn and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good portion, packed down, firmly shaken and overflowing, will fall into your lap. The portion you give will determine the portion you receive in return. There are a lot of things we heard in that scripture that we just kind of take for granted these days, right? Turn the other cheek, the golden rule. We all know it. We know we're supposed to live it. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But all too often we forget about it. When we hear Jesus tell us to love enemies and to do good, Jesus is, in essence, telling us to do good to those who may actually hate us. Now, we may think that sounds like a good idea. After all, Jesus says that's how it's all supposed to work, so we should do that. But the harsh reality we have to face is that while we think that that's all good, I mean, we agree with the idea, but we are, in fact, not good at doing that at all. Now, there might be several reasons for our lack of being able to love our enemies very well. First, we tend to avoid our enemies. Unlike Jesus who confronted those who stood against him, we tend to back away and keep our distance from people we don't like. We simply avoid possible conflicts. Another excuse is we may, well, we may just have a good old-fashioned disagreement with Jesus on this point. We may think it's a good idea of loving enemies, but it's just simply not how the world actually works. In other words, Jesus has given us a very high ideal, something to strive for, but it's not something he actually expected us to attain, did he? Well, let's take a look at that concept for a moment. Did Jesus really mean for us to do what he said? Yeah, I think he was serious about it. See, he tells us to do good and lend to sinners, expecting nothing in return. Yes, there's mention of great reward referenced in that passage, but we often don't expect any kind of benefit in the here and now. But I'm here to tell you that I think there actually is a huge benefit, and it's called peace of mind. Let's be practical for just a second here. Think of how much energy is expended keeping up resentment and hatred. Consider how much energy is just simply wasted on grudges. I'm going to quote that Tim McGraw song, Humble and Kind, again. Just as I did in the last episode, I quoted a piece from the end of the song. This time I want to take a piece from the beginning. Take a listen. Don't expect a free ride from no one. Don't hold a grudge or a chip, and here's why. Bitterness keeps you from flying. Always stay humble and kind. This time toward the beginning, the singer tells us, Don't expect a free ride from no one. Don't hold a grudge or a chip, and here's why. Bitterness keeps you from flying. Always stay humble and kind. Grudges and lack of care for others puts a burden on us to maintain that feeling of anger. It's like we're unable to move, let alone find comfort. 
So think about it. Have you ever had something negative that you did result in a positive outcome? Eh, maybe you have, but i got to tell you, I bet it's rare. Meanwhile, just about every good action we try to perform typically has a positive outcome of some kind. Might be small, might be large. So yeah, I think Jesus really did mean what he said. And then we should remember who Jesus was speaking to here. This is another section of what was called the Sermon on the Plain. And he's talking to farmers and others in the working class. Remember in the last episode we talked about the have-nots. Well, this time when Jesus says love, he's not saying anything about term, in terms of romance or even friendship. He's talking about simply showing love to others. The passage tells us to do good, not to think about good things, but to do good. The implication there is that motives are important, yes, but they're not as important as actually carrying out those acts of love, of doing good, of caring for all of our neighbors. Now, remember one of the excuses that we talked about earlier was that, Jesus, the world just doesn't work that way. I think Jesus would answer, well, it should, or it would, if you all, meaning humankind, would just do what I told you. So what does loving others actually look like? Well, especially enemies. I want to give you five kind of quick examples here. First, show respect. It sounds basic, but we don't do this very often. We need to think of enemies with compassion, not contempt. We tend to think of people with whom we disagree strongly as less than human. And that's clearly not what God has in mind. Second, put yourself in their shoes. We are typically quick to criticize opponents, especially when we don't understand where they're coming from to form their position. We don't tend to think critically very well these days. Instead, a lot of us tend to take the easy way out, focusing on sound bites, often from news outlets that we stay glued to because they speak from our point of view instead of from perspectives that challenge us. A third possibility is to find common ground. Yes, we have to acknowledge our differences, but see if you can figure out things that you have in common. Love of family is something that many of us have in common, though not everyone. Maybe you have similar jobs, maybe you enjoy the same hobbies, or even from a more simple standpoint, maybe you just enjoy the same movies or TV shows. The point is, find something on which you can agree and begin to tear down those walls between you. Fourth, remember that good old forgiveness is still an option. The scripture in this episode says, don't judge and you won't be judged. Yet later in the New Testament, we're told by the Apostle Paul to rebuke fellow believers lovingly to hold each other accountable. So what does that mean? I think it's this. We should only judge with the same criteria by which we're willing to be judged. In other words, if we want to be forgiven, we have to be willing to forgive. We can make the first move. Fifth, and finally, pray for them. Now, it's not fair to pray that they will come to your side. I mean, I guess you could do that, but I don't think that's what Jesus has in mind. After all, we all have to agree and sometimes understand that we just might be wrong. Instead, pray for wisdom. 
Pray for wisdom for that person. And pray for wisdom for yourself while you're at it. Can't hurt, right? I think we all can agree that loving our enemies is difficult. But we would all, including this guy talking right now, do well to remember a few things. Jesus calls us to do the seemingly impossible because they are made possible by him. Jesus calls us to do the improbable, knowing it can be made probable by him. And Jesus even calls us to do what we may think is unreasonable because it can be made reasonable by him. I think this is the simplest way to put it. Jesus calls us to love unreasonably instead of hating or disliking someone else reasonably. In closing this episode, I want to share what I think is one of the most profound statements made by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. We all know his I Have a Dream speech, but I'm really caught up by two others. Uh, One where he talks about people picking themselves up by their bootstraps, and we may use that in a future episode. But for this one, this statement I think is the most profound. MLK once said, I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. Those are words to consider, ponder, and live by. So let's try to lighten our loads. Lighten the load on our shoulders by sharing love instead of carrying around hatred, angst, and dislike. Until next time, amen. In Layman's Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifert. If you like what you've heard in this episode, please go rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It helps others find us. And if you're so inclined, please share the link to this podcast on your social media channels. Our music and sound effects come via subscriptions to Universal Production Music and to Storyblocks. You can find archived episodes on the conference website at www.greatplainsumc.org slash podcasts or on my website, toddseifert.com. Please email me with any questions or comments to tseifert at greatplainsumc.org and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thank you for listening. And until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.